if you got kids and you haven't along the journey went and hugged Brother Joel, Brother Joey, and Sister Stephanie, Charles Mercado's neck, and just said, thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for pouring into my child. You should probably do that. If you're a Christmas card person, there may be some people you forget. If you have a child and they go to class every week, you should at least write a Christmas card of gratitude to the Charles Mercado family. I mean that with all my heart. They are faithful and they it's not just a task. It's a ministry that they pour themselves into and we are the richer because of it. I, I can't help. I'm not trying to put people on the spot, but I'm going to. I, I look over here at these three Jimenez girls and I, I know they're taught in their home. So I know it's a product of what we talked about, their home. And mom and dad are both here. Um, but I remember them going through classes through the years. Then they got all big on us. I don't know what happened. So I remember holding Mariah like this. She's the oldest in the middle. She's a teen. She was up here worshiping God. Wasn't that beautiful? I remember holding her like a little baby. <laughs> Alyssa, too, and Melanie, too, each one of them. But I remember Mariah. God is so good, and I can't be that old, but here we are. And these brother Juan and sister Mary are getting old, too. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for the family of God? The family of God. It's beautiful. Amen. We're going to dive into the Word. You got your Bible? I've asked Brother Martin to take a few minutes. He didn't know. He was, he was telling me this morning briefly when he got here about stuff. He thought he might share a couple minutes when he uh, opened service. And I cut him off. I said, stop. I want you to take a couple minutes, and then I'll just follow you uh, in the Word this morning. And so I said, I don't want to hear what you got to say. I really did say that. I, I'm being honest. Let me finish the statement, though, before you go, wow. I cut him off. I said, I don't want to hear what you got to say right now. I want to hear it when just take a few minutes. I'll follow you. And you just share what God's. All right. So I'm asking Brother Martin to come and share what God's put on his heart. Thank you, Elder. Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, Just so thankful this morning as well. Um, I don't want to forget the things that I'm thankful for. And I'm thankful for the things that God continues to do in our lives on a daily basis and where he has us in life. Um, But, yeah, this morning I did come in and I I wanted to share with Elder Hart what some of the things that I've experienced this last week. You know, I don't know. I'm sure some of you have also wanted to do that. You see him and you just want to you just want to pour it out. When he told me to hold on for a second, I was kind of like, whoa, did I do something wrong? I know I didn't do anything wrong, but um, but God's been good. He's been, he's been faithful, but he's been speaking to me. And I want Renee to put this scripture up. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. If you could do that for me, please. Um, the Lord's been really speaking to me about trust. And, uh, you know, I was sitting here and I was thinking about a word that I used to, people used to say a lot of times. And sometimes they'll say it about other people. They'll say, you have trust issues. Anybody ever heard that statement before? This person has trust issues. And... Uh, You know, so I'm I'm reflecting on these things and wondering, well, where do these things come from and where does trust begin? Where did it start for you? You know, where did where was trust established in your life when you began to have trust in someone? Was it your parents? Was it where did it begin? So I was thinking the Lord's taking me back to these places and it and it happens. A lot of this stuff happens for me in anger management. I'm thankful for anger management. 
Um, I've been teaching that now for almost, I want to say three years, I'm guessing. Um, but, um, you know, the way that the Lord speaks to me there is, he's, you know, I, I, he speaks to me and then I go there and I, sh- I begin to share some things. So this last past Monday, I was there and Renee was there with me. And, um, you know, I asked the same questions that I'm asking a room full of believers. You know, what is trust and what is it, what is it for you? So I asked a room full of people the same question, and I actually walked up to a gentleman that I didn't know. And I asked him, I said, do you trust me? And he looked at me, and he said, no, I don't trust you. And I asked him, why? And he looked at me, and he said, because I don't know you. That's what he said. And so with the Lord speaking to me in this moment, and I'm saying, do I trust him? And do I know him? In order for there to be trust, I have to know him. And so uh, in, my, in talking to him, I said, well, what would it take for me to gain your trust? What would that take? Think about this in, in the spiritual, not just in the natural. So in order for me to trust God, he says to me, oh, I'd have to spend time with you is what the guy said. I ha- I'd have to spend time with you and I'd have to get to know you. And I'm like, wow, okay. I got to spend time with God. I got to get to know him in order for there to be an establishment of trust. Because I want to trust you. The word says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. When I heard that and I read that last, that last line there, it says, thy own understanding. It took me also to the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 11, where it says, when I was a child... I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing when the Lord begins to speak to you about these things. And, and we begin to, for myself, is question, where is my trust at? And who do I trust in? And if I have trust issues, do my trust, do my trust issues carry into my relationship with God? Because they can. Because they can if we're not careful our trust issues begin to affect our relationship that we have with God. And so that was, I was really marked by that. I was really marked by hearing someone say to me that they'd have to spend time with me. And I said, okay, if I spent time with you, what would it take for me to gain your trust? He said, be honest with me. Someone said, keep it real. Hands started going up all over the room. Honor your commitments. If you say you're going to be there and you're going to do something, I'd like to see you follow through with that. And I, I think these things are important in our walk with God as we, we trust him. As we honor our commitment to him. In relationship to him. The getting to know him so that we can fully, truly trust him. Truly trust him. When it gets tough, when the road gets rough, and, 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 and we feel like giving up, and, and it's hard. Because I find myself there at times. And I have to be reminded often of this scripture where it says, Lord, I trust you. I trust you even when it's difficult. But in order for me to trust you, I have to want to know, I have to want to know who you are in relationship. I don't, want it, I don't want it to just be enough to say, well, I, I know who he is. I mean, I've heard of him. I've heard of who Jesus Christ is. I want to know him. And he wants to know me, and I want to trust him, and I want to be honest before him. 
Because in that scripture, when it says to trust the Lord with all thy heart, it's to have hope. It's to have confidence in him. You know, I was searching just that word this morning, trust, and the two words that came were confidence and hope. What is your confidence in today? And in whom do you have hope today? That's what I have this morning. If that speaks to you, I'd allow the Lord to minister to, to you in that. Let's, let's just pray for a second here this morning. Lord, I trust you this morning, God. My hope is in you today. My confidence is in you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness today, God. I want to know you deeper and deeper. I want my relationship to be with you and you alone. I trust you today, Father. I give you all thanks this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to give you the rest of the story. When, when Brother Martin said, Lord, been dealing with me about trust, that's when I cut him off. Okay? And you're, you're going to understand why. Um, John said that we have fellowship one with another. Okay? If we walk in the light. He said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, First John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship. The Greek word there is koinonia, probably saying that wrong. Fellowship one with the other. And truly, he said, truly, he said, our fellowship is with Christ. But we have fellowship one with another for, because we're the body of Christ. Now, stay with me just a second. So, I'm here for men's prayer yesterday morning. We start men's prayer at 7. We probably, if I had my way, we'd start men's prayer at 5, but then we probably wouldn't have as many people show up. So, <laughs> like if I had my way, we'd start church on Sunday morning at 7, but we had not have as many people show up. 9.30 is killing us. We do that for a different reason, but anyway, uh, and so I was here enjoying time with the Lord, and, and uh, Brother Juan Jimenez shows up. And so he, he says, hey, I, you know what Brother Martin said? Come, he, we started talking, and uh, he asked me a question, talks to me. He's, the Lord's been talking to him about some things with peace. Well... I had been sitting at home that morning earlier in the Word, listening, praying, talking to the Lord. And I had written some notes. You can't see that. probably couldn't read it if you could see it. But I had written some notes. And one of my notes, it was about, my notes were about a life of prayer and maintaining a connection with God, maintaining a relationship with God. One of the notes from listening and reading was, in order to maintain my connection with God, I need to recognize 
if something's robbing me of my peace while I'm involved in it. And if it's robbing me of my peace, then it's affecting my connection with God. Because as long as I have a connection with God, I have peace. So, so that was in my heart and stirring in my heart. And then I walk in here and I'm talking to the Lord. I'd been here. And then Brother Juan shows up and he starts asking me. So, so I'm listening. Now keep in mind, I'm talking about fellowship one with another. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm having fellowship with my brother. This isn't, let's go sit down at Burger King and let's talk about uh, the weather. Nothing wrong with that, you understand. But this is true spiritual fellowship, the way the Scripture intends, where we're strengthened and edified from conversation. And I realize, okay, God's talking to me. God's talking with me. I'm fellowshipping the body. And now I recognize the only way this can come is if we're walking in the light. And so Brother Juan is fellowshipping the Lord, and I, I think I was fellowshipping the Lord that morning. Then we come together, we're having fellowship one with the other, and there's this exchange of ministry, that, and we can all relate to this somewhere along the journey in our life, amen, where we've gotten a conversation with somebody, and it's like, man, yeah, I was edified. There was a flow of ministry. I, I didn't try to produce it, but just talking with, you know what I'm talking about? We need to understand this. We need to foster this. We need to... Give ourselves to walking in the light, in the word, in fellowship with the Lord. And when we come together, this will happen. So, so there's that. You with me? I'm meditating on that. I'm thinking on that. And I did something very different. Guys that were showing up probably thought, okay, what in the world? So I, could, I couldn't help myself. I'd been praying a while. I'd been, I'm, this isn't bragging. I'm just saying I'd, I'd been up a while. And so they were coming for prayer. And I'd sort of had some time of prayer. I was wanting to do some more stuff in the word. So I... I got this little podium, and I sat down up here, and I had my Bible and a notepad, and I'm writing notes. The Lord's dealing with me. The Lord's still dealing with me. And across the top of the page, see, this is a different notepad. This is the one that I had that morning at the house, and then I got here, and I hadn't brought it with me, and so this one was laying over there. And so I should get digital, shouldn't I, so I could keep up with everything? Maybe somewhere along the way somebody would transcribe all my notes. I don't know. The way it works for me, I write it all down, and then later on I throw it away because me, I'll read it, I'll memorize it, I'll, or it gets in my spirit by me writing it down and stuff. I probably shouldn't throw it away. I should probably get it all in a night. But anyway, it's a different subject. So I had understanding written across the top of the page. This is what I wrote yesterday morning here at Men's Prayer. Understanding. And I wrote the verse... Yesterday morning in prayer. Can you see that? Can you read that? Is that too close? Too far? No? Yeah. What's it? First verse say. Now. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is the verse I wrote out. Now, so this is on my heart, and then I wrote some other verses, and then I get home yesterday, and I'm sitting down, and I'm, I, I can't get off of this, and the Lord's dealing with me. And so then I add peace and understanding. I added the peace and yesterday afternoon at my house. And so when Brother Martin walks in this morning and says, hey, I need to talk to you, he says, hey, man, God's been dealing with me about trust. That's why I said, stop. I don't want to hear it yet because the Lord's been dealing with me about this. And I want to hear what the Lord's going to say 
You with me? Now, why am I walking through all this this morning? Fellowship one with the other. Brother Juan had been in fellowship with the Lord. I've been in fellowship with the Lord. We start talking. We have fellowship. And there's a witness of the Spirit. We're on the same. What do we? Wow, that's weird. No, it's not weird. It's the body of Christ and one spirit. And so the Lord's dealing with me. I didn't know God's been dealing with Brother Martin about trust. Now, I'm not going to talk about trust, but we're going to keep going in that verse right there because it's where the Lord's had me. And he referenced understood, understanding. He took 1 Corinthians when I was a child. I speak as a child. Understood, understanding. Fellowship. If I find myself going, how come I don't seem to connect with my brother or sister the way they do? Everybody won't connect the same way. But sometimes it's because one is fellowshipping God and spending time and the other isn't. And you just can't make the connection. That's when you get together and you have coffee and you talk about the weather. And it's great to spend time together, but it's not spiritually edifying. Does that make sense this morning? This plane? So what happens, though, is when you and I in our daily living, we spend time with God. We all work. We have jobs. Most of us. I, I, I don't know anybody. I'm not picking on anybody. But we work. We go to work. We, we have family. We have homes. We have bills. We, have, we all have that. Taxes. That's something I know we all have. Uh, right? We all have those things. So none of that becomes an excuse why well, I just can't spend time with God like that. No, 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 no. We all have those challenges called life. But so what we do is we prioritize time with God. And then when we come in fellowship with one another, connection, there becomes a flow of ministry. Does that make sense? There becomes a flow of ministry. I can't produce it. Now, I can tell you, I, I don't tell you probably, I've tried to produce it at times. Well, that's a pitiful thing. It's a pitiful thing when I try to produce flow. And unfortunately, you guys have probably had to deal with that through the years. Any of you that's been here, you probably dealt with times where I've tried to produce flow. It's like, oh, man, those poor people, they endured. Flow comes from him. It's him. And so fellowship, fellowship with him brings fellowship one with another. Proverbs 3, put it back up there, please. Verse 5 and 6. I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about peace and understanding. Peace and understanding. We are living in a crazy, chaotic world right now. Would you agree? There is crazy stuff happening. There, I mean, there's deltas and omicrons, and I keep waiting for Megatron or something like that. I don't know. I'm... Who comes up with these names? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Whatever. I, now, some people, they hear all that, and then I'm telling you, they lose peace. They have lost peace. You with me? And so we're in a world that's bombarding, that's giving, making people anxious, it's robbing them of their peace. And I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I just... Ah. And so 
you're dealing with it in your workplace. If you have a workplace, I'm dealing with it in my workplace. I, I'm telling you, I sit on video conferences. Some days I have seven hours of video conferences. I go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. I so wish we were back in buildings just because some of you probably know what it is to sit in seven hours of meetings, one right after the other. If you don't, God bless you, don't try to figure it out. Some days I'm like, man, I'm just going to put stuff on my calendar so nobody else can take a spot on my calendar at work. You bounce from meeting to meeting to meeting, and you're trying to reset depending on what the project is or what the team is that you're working on or the people you're trying to lead. You're bouncing. some of you, And, man, what I realize is they're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing, they don't have peace. They're, and they're bringing all that in, and I'm sitting in these meetings, and, man, I'm feeling all of it. I'm like, I can't take that. And sometimes I have to be this voice. You understand, in my work meetings, I'm not the elder. (laughs) Different roles. We all walk in different roles. But one role we always feel is we are a child of God. If we've been washed in His blood, filled with His Spirit, we are a child of God. We don't set off that role. We are the body of Christ. We don't set off that role. And so the wisdom of God has to operate through our lives because I can't just on a Zoom call or on a WebEx meeting with my teams or or a project I'm on saying, guys, I'm feeling a little anxiety in the room right now. We need to pause and pray, and I want to speak to this. I, I can't do that. I can do that here. And so, but I have to speak because you understand As a child of God filled with the Spirit of God, we can speak words of life. We can speak peace into a situation. And there's been a couple of times I've confronted that in a meeting. I had to reach out to my boss afterwards and say, hey, just so you know. He's like, oh, no, I get it. I I know what you're doing. Thanks for speaking up. The Lord meant. Now, so in our world where all this chaos, anxiety... We as children of God, there is a biblical pattern and principle for peace and understanding. And as you and I find that place in him and in his word, it becomes your life and mine becomes a living testimony to the world around us. How do you have peace in the midst of all this? You with me? So I want you to watch the word of God. Anybody interested in having peace? Every day, every moment, every situation. How about understanding? Okay, you raised your hand. Trust in the Lord. Great intro. With some of your heart. No? Not some. How much of your heart? All. There is the challenge right there for some. We're not interested in trusting with all. And it's exactly what Brother Martin was talking about. We bring in trust issues in our relationship with God. And so we keep God like this. Or maybe we're. Maybe we're saying I trust God, but I don't trust. Myself. And so because I don't trust myself, I'm going to guard my relationship with God because the last thing I want to do is disappoint Him. 
And so therefore, I don't trust with all my heart. Now, you got to get to know him. And he's ready to be known. He'll reveal himself. He'll express his love to you, his mercy, his grace. We've witnessed his spirit this morning. It's still here in a rich, rich way ministering to us. We come to know him. And so we begin, I can trust him with all my heart. Now, but watch the next part. That's not the end. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And there's the other challenge. The all and my own. When I said how many of you would like understanding and hands went up, I would dare say that many are like, I want my understanding. I'm not trying to understand what God's thinking or doing. I'm trying to understand for me. The wisest man that ever lived said, don't lean on your understanding. That's hard. If I don't trust him with all my heart. See how the two go together? If I don't trust him with all my heart, I lean on my understanding. If I lean on my understanding, there's a part of my heart that doesn't trust him. Verse 6 is continuation. In all your ways acknowledge him. And now watch the beauty of this. In all your ways acknowledge him and he, that's critical, shall direct your paths. Trust him with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and then he will direct your paths. Is anyone interested in God directing your path? I got both my I want him to direct my path. Amen? How beautiful is it? God, man, I'm telling you, yesterday morning in prayer when Brother Juan started talking to me, I don't know if he felt anything. I felt the Holy Ghost. It was fellowship. And I'm like, man, God's directing my thoughts. And then Brother Martin mentioned it to this morning when I cut him off. I'm like, man, God is directing my thoughts. Isn't that a wonderful feeling when you have a communion with God or a brother or sister and it's like man the Lord's dealing with me about that I, I brother Lewis and sister Julie God be with them today in Puyallup I they they come to me a few times after their midweek Bible study on Tuesday or Monday and then I'll teach on Thursday or and they'll be like and I, they'll have their notes from what they taught on Monday or Tuesday and they're like I know people think that like we're con- getting together and talking about stuff so that we teach the same thing but that doesn't happen we don't do that The Spirit of the Lord knits the body together. And there's a voice of God that we begin to tune into. And He is directing our paths. Individually and collectively as a body of Christ. All right, This comes from trusting with all of our heart. Not leaning on my understanding. What a promise that is. He'll direct my path. Now, I want to talk to you about this. We're talking about peace and understanding. Don't lean to my understanding. Well, that's hard. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Peace matters, doesn't it? You know what? Before that, go to Luke chapter 2. I'm really messing with you this morning. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 first, Brother Renee. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It's a good time to read this.
You with me? This is probably as close to a holiday message as you're ever going to get me. Sorry, I just buck up against tradition. Watch. Now, don't just hear the story, this really, this, this historical event. Listen. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord. You got this? Shepherds in the field. It's nighttime. I don't know if they were sort of snoozing back, you know, taking shifts. I don't know how this is working, but here they are. And an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. I don't know what shining means, but I'm guessing there was light. In the middle of the night, probably had their attention. And they were sore afraid. That's a fair response, wouldn't you say? Verse 11. See, we paint this picture. Oh, it must have been glow. No, they were afraid. Whoa, what's going on? That's sort of different from the Christmas story, isn't it? They're afraid. We're just out here, you know, usually it's pretty peaceful at night. Not a whole lot going on. You know, no highways, no cars, no electricity, just quiet, stars, sheep, peaceful. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up, a bright light, the glory of the Lord shine. I'd be afraid too. And the angel of the Lord said to them, fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. We miss this line, which shall be to all people. You understand that's a prophetic statement by the angel. I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. What I'm getting ready to tell you isn't just for you as shepherds. It's going to affect all people. Now, I asked my wife this question yesterday, so she can't answer. Because she said, I don't know, which was fair. Why did the angel appear to shepherds? I mean, this is the king of kings coming, robing himself in flesh. I I mean, I get it. They were common men. So there's that. Here's what I believe. Well, of course he came and told a shepherd. A lamb was born. Shouldn't shepherds be aware when a lamb is born? The lamb of God was born. It only makes sense that they tell the shepherds first. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Keep going. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. By the way, that verse right there, go back real quick. A Savior. Notice capital S, the one true living Savior. The Savior is Christ the Lord. In Isaiah, the Almighty God said, I alone am the Savior, and beside me there is none else. Yes? And now the angel is declaring a Savior, capital S, is born, which is Christ. Ah, so therefore Christ can't be another person in some Godhead. Christ must be the one and only Savior from Isaiah who's now wrapped in the flesh. Amen? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord, verse 12. 
And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, verse 13. And suddenly there was, if they weren't scared enough, I guess the angel said, fear not, so they settled down. And then there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, watch, and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. Now, how many of you have heard that verse before? Right. We miss it because we've heard it so many times. I read all that to get to this point. We celebrate Christmas on earth peace. That word peace there means what you think peace means. But it's specifically the Greek word that's used there in conjunction. It speaks of a way of peace. Specifically, it speaks of a way of peace, a way that leads to peace. And it specifically speaks of peace that can only come. It's a very unique kind of peace. It's what's referred to by the Jews as messianic peace. Peace that only comes from the Messiah. And so people are like, well, he came, but there's not peace on earth. Ah, It's because you haven't come to know the Messiah. When we come to know him, there's peace. He gives peace. He is the way to peace. All right. Now, let's fast forward to Philippians where I thought we were going a while ago. Philippians chapter 4. We're going somewhere. You're getting this, the Lord's getting ready to reveal some things to some people. He's going to give you some answers before this morning's over. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We're going to stay on this verse. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That first line, be careful for nothing. Here's what it literally means. Don't be anxious for anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be care, don't care or worry. Don't let anything cause you to care or worry. That's what that means. That's a pretty tall statement, isn't it? Paul, what are you thinking? Don't be anxious about anything. Don't care about anything. That doesn't mean like you don't care for your kids or your spouse or your home. It means like it doesn't trouble me. What? Is that even possible? It must be. Be careful for nothing. So what do I do if I have something that's causing me to be anxious? That word careful there in the Greek is literally anxious or anxiety. What do I do if there's something that's causing me to be anxious or have anxiety? What is it doing? It's robbing me of peace. You with me? I want us to make these connections. It's robbing me of peace. Now, there's only one peace that's the way to peace. That, that's why I read Luke 2. True peace can only come from Him. Abiding in Him. And Him abiding in us. That's the only way to have true peace. So when I become anxious about something, it's robbing me of my peace. 
But where does my peace or where should my peace come from? Him. You with me? So if I'm anxious about something, it clearly is indicating, hold on a minute, but I trust Him. Do I trust Him with this thing that's making me feel anxious? I'm going to trust Him with all my heart. But I don't understand. I'm not going to lean on my understanding. Are you getting this? See the connection here? But I want to trust. Okay, so he's going to let this thing come your way. And we're going to find out. Do you trust him? What do I do? He's not saying, oh man, something's wrong with me then. No, it's in when, when something comes, it causes me anxiety. How do I deal with it? But in everything, by prayer and supplication or with requesting, with thanksgiving, Spirit, I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord has given us understanding. See where we started today? The Lord is in all of this. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what might that look or sound like? Let me just make up an example here real quick. Let's say I've got a... I won't make one up. I'll give you a real one without giving you all the details. Let's say I've got a situation with another individual. And that individual is making choices that are dangerous choices regarding their walk with God and their relationship with God. And I know this, and I, I'm concerned for their soul because of their choices. And so I'm talking with them. It's keeping me awake at night. It's starting to rob me in peace. And I can toss and turn and be anxious, or I can get up. Say, this is weighing on my heart and my mind, and it's robbing me of peace. I don't have peace about this, so what am I going to do? I can't fix it. I'm going to go to a place of prayer. I'm going to take this thing and say, God, I don't know what to do, but you do. I don't know how to turn the situation. I don't know how to fix the circumstance. I don't know how to get their attention. I don't know how to get this through. But God, you do. You do. You got to give me peace. I got to sleep some somewhere along the way, God. And so you got to give me peace here, Lord. I'm not just saying fix it for me, God. I want you to do something. I'm asking you to intervene in this situation. Lead me in prayer. You're God. You know what to do. I trust you. I don't understand why. I don't know how. I can't make sense of it. But you can, God. What am I doing? In prayer and supplication, I'm making my request known to God. I'm not carrying it around in my own anxiety and care. How can I fix it? What can I do about it? Surely. And overthinking and getting all worked up in my... I'll do that. I won't solve any... I may try to solve stuff. Anybody ever try to solve something make a mess of it? Yeah, me too. Our human nature, oftentimes, some of us really are fix-it people, right? Anybody in the room a fix-it person? That's me, man. It's probably one of my greatest faults. Usually your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness, by the way. And so, like, I'm a fix-it person. I want to fix stuff. Well, you can't always fix stuff. And hear me, there ain't a one of us that can fix spiritual things. And so what I have to do is when I feel things trying to rob me of peace, I go to a place of prayer. 
the answer is to go to God, right? And what do I do? I stay in that place of prayer until peace comes back. You say, oh, that must mean it's fixed. No, it just means all of my trust is in him and I have peace that he's in control. I'm letting him lead me in prayer about it. I'm waiting on him about it. I'm fellowshipping him about it. And you know what? I'll do that and peace will return. I'm back in right relation. There, there's, and, and I'm as human as you are. And so a day may go by. Goodness, 30 minutes may go by. <laughs> and that anxiety will try to come back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What do I do? I do the same thing. Back to a place of prayer. Lord, I trust you with this. Tell me how to pray. Show me what to say. Tell me what to do, where I'm supposed to be involved, how I'm open, available, God. I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to you. You are my peace, and you are the source of answer in this situation and circumstance. It's not greater than you. It's not too hard for you. Your arm's not short. Your spirit's... I start quoting the word to him. careful for nothing. I'm not going to just sit and stew in anxiety. I'm going to go to a place of prayer. It's trusting Him with all my heart. Now, so be careful for nothing. Sort of sounds like in all your ways. <laughs> Acknowledge Him. Right? Now watch verse uh, 7. When you do that, there's a result. This is the result, verse 7. And, everybody say and. And is a conjunction in the English language. It joins two thoughts. One is not complete without the other. And the peace of God. Woo. Which, what does it do? The peace of God which passeth all understanding. What's it going to do? It's going to keep that word keep means guard, protect, cover. The peace of God will keep your hearts, that's your emotions. It will keep your hearts and your minds, that's your thoughts. I know you get this. Through Christ Jesus. There is an answer for the anxiety, the chaos in our world today. It is peace on earth. Messianic peace, the peace that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, he who, through is, who is the way of peace. And you and I, when anxiety comes, I can't lean on my own understanding. i got to go back to this place of trust. God, you got to help me trust. And so you know what the Lord does in his infinite wisdom? He says, I'm going to bring circumstances into your life that you can't fix. Why? Because I love you. What? Yep. I love you, I care for you, I desire a deep abiding relationship with you, and so therefore I'm going to bring and allow circumstances to come into your life that you can't fix. And what you're going to have to do is trust me. And as you begin to trust me, it won't be easy at first. Anxiety will come. Emotions will come. Your mind will fight a battle. But if you'll come to a place of prayer and say, I'm going to be careful for nothing. God, I bring it to you. I don't know how, but here it is again, God. 
I wish it would change. It hasn't. It's been going longer than I'd like it to go. But God, here I am again. Somebody's got to hear this this morning. You got to trust Him. You can come back to this place again. But I've been praying for years. Don't stop praying. You come again. 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 Some of you heard the story, but I can tell you, my grandmother. I'll never forget her. My grandfather was my spiritually, he was my hero, man. I mean, there was nothing he could do wrong. He was such a man of God. When he would pray, I, I, I would lay on the floor by his door and he, just so I could listen to him pray. He had his set time every morning, every evening. He went to his place of prayer every once in a great while. He'd let me go to the room with him and take me. And I, I remember kneeling by the bed, and I felt like I'm just in the, I was. I, I'm in the presence of God and greatness. I didn't pray. I was too scared to even open my mouth. I, I'm just telling you, I just there, and I'd, I'd listen. And my grandfather would pray, and I, I was like, well, that's the only way I ever knew him. But my grandmother would tell me stories of how for 12 years he never went to church. He was an alcoholic. 12 years she'd go to church. He was not faithful. 12 years there was a revival one week. It's my favorite story. There was a revival one week. My grandmother was a very... Uh, she had a heart to serve and she never disrespected my grandfather. So she would take care of the home. They had seven kids. She would take care of the home and she would always have a meal on the table. And so she told him, I, I'm, there's a revival. I'm going to be going. I'll have dinner on the table, and, but, but I'm going to church. Well, my grandfather knew the way to get her. You ain't taking those kids. She said, okay, if you say, but I'm going. All right. She went, came home. Next night, I have dinner on the table, but I'm going to the revival tonight. He said, well, I think I'm going to take the kids over to the picture show. That's what they called the movies when they were first coming out back then. Well, he knew that would just turn her heart. She told him, you're going to be responsible for what you show those kids and where you do those kids. She went to church. She came home. Door was locked. She couldn't get in the house. He locked her out. She said, I just sat on the porch and I prayed. Careful for nothing. All things. By and back then, when you had a revival, it started about 7. You'd get done about 11.30 or 12. People weren't watching their watch. They were waiting on God. They didn't care. I think she said it was around 1 or 2 in the morning. She heard the door unlock, and so she knew she was, he was letting her in. So she got up and went in, went to bed. I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth night or what it was. Somewhere like in there. Less than five nights. She kept going. She told him, I'm going. When she came home one night, he said, if that revival's still going tomorrow night, I think I'll go with you. Twelve years. Twelve years. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. 
but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God. How do you have peace for 12 years? God, I'm back again. He went that night. And the next. And it wasn't two or three nights. He was in the altar, repentant. God baptized him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He never drank alcohol again. He became a faithful husband that raised his family well. Provided a good home. Started multiple churches. Twelve years she was careful for nothing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Now, and here's what happens. The peace of God comes. And the peace of God, this is what we need. The peace of God passeth understanding. What does that mean? That means the peace of God is superior to my understanding. I don't understand, but I have peace. And here's what happens. Friends, family, the adversary will come and say, yeah, but what if, well, but how come, but why? I don't know. I don't have understanding. But I have peace that's superior to my understanding. I have peace that goes past my understanding. That's what the verse is literally saying. The peace of God goes past what I can understand. So when circumstances and situations, why isn't it changing? Why isn't so? How come they can't see? What's it going to take? I don't know, but I have peace that comes from Him. And it's peace that goes past understanding. Where does that peace come from? It comes from an abiding trust in Him that never fails. A trust in God with all of my heart. Not leaning to my understanding. And what does that peace do? Here's why you need His peace. It keeps your heart and your mind. You ever have days where you... You don't have to raise your hand. I know the answer. Do you ever have days where you feel like your mind is just getting bombarded and you can't get rest? Here's what the adversary does when he's bombarding you that way. He tries to get you to figure out what to do. How can I fix it? What can I change? What have I done wrong? How come I can't? Why is this? Am I just, where did I fail? Oh, this is a result of this. That's what the adversary does. You know what he's doing? He's robbing you of peace. But there's peace from him when you just keep casting every care. And sometimes it's every 30 minutes for a while. And then you'll learn. Peace. John 14, 26 and 27. Jesus was speaking. He makes this statement. I'm hurrying to try to finish here. But the Comforter, 
which is the Holy Ghost. If you have not been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need to be. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Jesus is speaking here, right? Whom the Father will send in my name. Okay, so did you follow that? The Holy Ghost is going to come in the name. So the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. He's speaking. Again, not three distinct persons. The one true living God. Okay? The Father will send in my name. He shall teach you. The Holy Ghost will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Verse number 27. Watch. Peace, Jesus said. I leave with you. Isn't that beautiful? Peace I leave with you. That sounds like a deposit to me. We were talking about earlier. Ooh, I felt that in the Holy Ghost. Peace I leave with you. And he went further. Notice what he said. Please watch. The word of God is so beautiful, so precious. Every word matters. My peace I give unto you. Notice he didn't just say peace I give to you, did he? You see what Jesus just said? My peace. I'm not giving you peace like the world's thinking about. Peace that's free from problems, pain, pressure, trouble, test. No, no, no. Jesus said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave peace with you, and I'm going to take my peace, and I'm giving it to you. Not as the world gives give I to you. Notice, don't let your heart be troubled, anxious, worried, concerned. Remember, the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He couldn't say that if he wasn't giving us his peace. His peace is superior to our understanding. Stop leaning on your understanding. John 16, 33. Last verse. Jesus is speaking again. He said a bunch of stuff. This is the last verse, I think, in John 16. These things, all the stuff he said. These things have I spoken to you, and here's why I spoke them. That in me, everybody say, in him. Jesus said, in me you might have peace. Notice he didn't say you will have peace. You might. Now I have a question for you. Is that might dependent on him or dependent on me? It's there. It's available. He said, my peace, I, I, you know, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. All these things I've spoken to you that in him, in me, he said, you might have peace. But you and I are the determining factor whether we do or not. If I'm careful for nothing and through prayer and supplication, I make my request with thanksgiving, make my request known to him. Then the peace of God. Some of you have heard this before, but it bears repeating right now. Isaiah 9 and 6. Again, Christmas. Here we are. We're just right in that vein. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, 
For unto us a child, I had to think for a minute. For unto us a child is born, and oh, thank you. And unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We quote this at Christmas all the time, right? Because the child that's born, the son that's given, it's Jesus Christ. Notice it says he's the mighty God, the everlasting Father. I didn't plan on this to be a message about there only being one God, but you see these threads throughout the Word of God? It didn't say the child and the son is the second person in God or some part of the Father. It said the son, the child that's born, the son that's given is the mighty God. The, is that what it says? I'll make sure it looks the same up here that I'm reading back there. The mighty God, the everlasting father. That's the child that's robed in flesh. Now, he's the prince of peace. Now, I have a question. Is he a king or a prince? <laughs> Which one is he? Now, notice. This says he's the prince. It doesn't say he's the king. Right? This is where you and I come in. A king is already on the throne. A prince is an heir to the throne. Yes? Why is he the prince of peace and not the king of peace? Because he won't force himself on the throne. You have to let him sit there. You have to choose to say, you're not going to be the prince. I want you to be the king. And where I'm trying to sit on the throne of my heart and manage everything and fix everything and control everything in my own understanding to get it all in order, I've realized I can't do it. I'm trusting you to do it. And so I'm vacating, or better yet, the word is abdicating. I'm abdicating the throne of my heart. And I'm saying, prince of peace, come and rule and reign in my heart. Be the king of peace. This is my part. Be the king of peace. I trust you with the circumstances I can't control. And the ones I can control, I want to stop and let you control them anyway. I want you to be the king of peace. I want to tell you a story. I want to finish with this. You okay with a little church history? It's good to know some history, isn't it? Amen. I'm going to tell you a story. It's going to have the past and it's going to have the present and we'll look into the future. Got your attention now? And I believe it's going to be just an example of this principle of trusting the Lord with all of our heart, not leaning on our understanding, but having and acknowledging him in all of our ways and knowing that as a result, he will, he will. See, we focus on direct my path. The power is he. <laughs> he will direct my path. That's a wonderful thing. Now watch. Some 25 years ago, some 25 years ago, we were still in Puyallup, 25, 26 years ago. Maybe 24, 25. We were in Puyallup. We were in a building up on South, what's called South Hill in Puyallup. And um, 
It was a building that sat on 10 acres. It's, it's all built up and developed now, but at the time it wasn't. Uh, we met there. That's where we had church. And uh, we were renting that building, that property. And the Lord dealt with us in a place of prayer. I remember it very well. My wife and I, had only our family, it was just the two of us and our oldest son. We'd only been there about a year, if that. And uh, the Lord dealt with us, dealt with Bishop, uh, about writing a letter to the people that owned the property, asking them if they would consider donating that building and property to the church or selling it at a great value. We had faith. I remember that, that service, the faith that came in. And so the letter got written, sent to the landlord, and we got a response. And the response to the letter said, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it memorized. The response to the letter said, thank you for your letter. No, we're not doing that. As a matter of fact, we're selling the property and you have 90 days to vacate. <laughs> True story. And they sold it for a chunk of change. I don't know how much, but it, it, and we're like, well, there you go. Well, we got an answer, didn't we? Was that the answer we wanted? Sure it was. We want the will of God, don't we? See how we think sometimes? It wasn't the answer we expected. But we had to have peace with the response. Trust in, you with me this morning? Told you, I want you to see this principle in this story. We had to have peace with the response. Okay, God, you're moving the cloud. Pillar of fire's moving, if you will. The pillar of cloud's moving. Okay, God, we thought our understanding, we knew there was, we knew something had to happen with a building, and so we thought, write a letter. We got a response, just not what we thought. But clearly we were right. Something's moving. And so we're like, okay, what do we do? So we went back to prayer. God's got a plan. Peace. Oh, no, we only got 90 days. What are we going to do? How are we going to? No, 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 no. We got peace. God has a plan. We knew it was the Spirit of God that prompted us to write that letter. It provoked something, right? Sometimes you have to take steps of faith. Not on under See, faith is not understanding. Faith is the substance of things we hope for. It's the evidence of what we don't see. So we take that step of faith. And so we send that letter. That was a step of faith. We got a response. Oh, you got to vacate in 90 days. Different deal. Okay, fine. What do we do, Lord? What do we do? We're praying. We're talking to the Lord. We're Classified ads. I know we don't use those anymore in the newspaper, but we still did then. Okay, 25 years ago. Newspaper. Building. Church for sale. Price for quick sale. Reduced. Was 400000 now 200000 That's what you call reduced for quick sale, isn't it? Yeah, buddy. So we reached out to them. Clearly, they're not able to sell it, it would seem. So we reached out to them. We said, hey, could we maybe take it for a trial run? Could we come and have a service or two, see how it feels, see what we think? Sure. So we do this. See, this is church history. You guys okay with church history? You need to know what the Lord's done, what he's brought us through, what he's doing. We go down, we do a few services, we're like, we think this will work. We could do 200000 But the Lord dealt with us and said, I've given you that building. So 
We do. We have the little bit of money that the church has been setting aside to make a down payment on the property, buy the property, get a loan. We move in. We start having church here. Many of you have been to that building in Puyallup, right? It's that building. It's that one where we are now. So we're doing remodeling. A family comes, becomes a part of the church. The Hagas. Precious couple. Uh, their uh, son-in-law and daughter were there, and they, they had moved and came there. And uh, I don't remember all the details. I won't take all that time anyway. Long story short, the Hagas up further out on South Hill, they had five acres of land that was deemed wetlands, which basically meant they couldn't do anything with it. Couldn't build on it, couldn't run anything through it. It was just sitting there. And all they were doing was paying taxes on it every year. They couldn't figure out how to get rid of it, how to offload it. And they weren't trying to just dump something, but it no longer, they just... And Brother Haga came and said, you know, I don't know what you can do anything with it, but I just feel like the Lord dealt with me to give you this piece of property to the church, if the church would have it. Uh, but there is taxes on it. And, and they were fairly nominal, but still it was tax. Um, and since, you know, if we would go and have a service on it every once in a while somehow, uh, then it could be nonprofit, not tax. But that, that didn't work. We went and had a couple prayer meetings up there. Uh, you know, you couldn't walk over all of it. It was wetlands. But we went up there a few times and stood and had prayer and, Okay. That was it. Time goes by. I don't remember how many years it was. Maybe five years or so, somewhere in there. Three to five years. Bishop gets a message one day, a call or an email. And it's a builder, a contractor, developer. And he says, hey, I understand that your church owns those five acres of wetlands up here on the hill. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you be interested in selling it? He says, well. You know, it's wetlands. We, you can't build on it. He said, well, here's the thing. In, this is the craziness of our world and money, right? Here's the thing. As a developer, I can trade land. He said, and I'm wanting to develop and build somewhere, but i got to trade off the wetland somewhere to be able to build it. So if I can buy that land from you, I can call that my trade-off so that I can go ahead and build where I'm at, where I'm wanting to do a development and build. I don't get it, but there you go. He found through county records a church on the property. Reach out to me. And so, long story short, he paid for that piece of property what it cost for the building. Gave us the building. See, we knew the Lord had said, we heard something somewhere about him giving us a building, so we wrote a letter. And they kicked us out. But he had a plan. Now, can I bring it a little closer to home? I'm not trying to belabor you this morning. I hope you're okay. I want to bring this a little. We're talking about peace, him directing our paths, not having understanding, but having peace, not being anxious for anything. And I'm giving you an example of some history here, but this can fit and does work in our lives. The Lord's wanting to build your faith today. As many of you know, we met for a few years in a building in Wapato. They came to us and they wanted to triple the rent. We're like, what? You couldn't get anybody to stay in this place. We got people renting your house from you. We're renting this building. We've cleaned it all up and now you're wanting to triple the rent. Yeah. We prayed about it. 
you understand it wasn't a financial thing. We could have figured out how to make the money work. Sometimes you can make things work. You just need to figure out if it's the will of God or not. What do you have his peace for? Not what can I do or not do. What do I have his peace for? We didn't have peace to pay triple. 90 days. I'm like, man, this sounds like a broken record. We knew it was the moving hand of God. Here's the thing. We didn't find anything in the classifieds. Some of you were here. You know. We met on Friday. So then we switched to meeting on Friday nights because Brother Nelson was working for the Yakima tribe. And they said you can use the auditorium at the Yakima Nation building for free if you use it on a weeknight. Okay, we won't have church on Sunday. We'll go to Friday nights. And so we started using that building one Friday night. And then the other, so many, how many of you were here and remember this? See, you need to know this history. So we would go there on Friday night. And then the next Friday night, you know what we would do? I went to the Red Lion downtown in Yakima. And Roar, you remember that, don't you? We went to the Red Lion downtown in Yakima. And, said, and I said, look, we're just trying to find a place to meet every other Friday night for two to three hours. And, you know, it's not cheap to rent a hotel event space for three hours, much less every other week. I don't know if I've ever shared you. I talked to that catering manager, and I knew when I spoke to them, I got the favor of God. They said, let me look, we'll get back to you. You guys know how much we paid every Friday night to rent that space for four hours. We had it from 6 to 10. So we could get there and set up our speakers. They set up the chairs for us every week. And they had water on the table for us every week. You know how much we paid every week? 75 bucks. I know. Isn't that crazy? $75 a week for that. And free for that other place. No building. God didn't care. That wasn't an issue to him. And he was teaching us something about having ministry in homes during that process. Because he knows what he's doing. We decided it's time to find a building. The Lord dealt with us. We need to find a more permanent place. Brother Johnstone was also looking for a more permanent place. We said, what if we got a place together? We have service on Friday night, not Sunday. And Tuesday nights, or Wednesday nights, I think is what we were doing. Wednesday night and Friday night. They were having service at the time, Life Church in Union Gap, called Intersection at that time. They were having church on Sunday morning and Tuesday nights. I'm like, what if we go to a place together? They had the construction wherewithal. He found the location. We were able to help some financially as Life Church. And that building that we shared, where Life Church Union Gap is now for three years, both congregations met in that building. You guys seeing how the hand of God works through all these things? Some of you didn't know this history. Three years go by, I'm praying one day, and the Lord deals with me. It's time. Congregations were going, I'm like, it's time to find a location. We're looking. I had come by this place one time. I thought, that's cute. I wonder. Nothing could find anything. I'm, I'm talking about God directing our paths. You can have peace when you don't understand. A couple, three months later went by, and I'm looking still, and I find an ad willing to lease this building. 
and I'm, I'm reaching out. I can't get a response. It's October. I reach out in November. I can't get a response. I'm getting frustrated. No email response, no nothing. And it's on a property place. Finally, I get a good phone number. I call, talk to somebody in December, and the person I talk to says, no, they're not, that was something, but they're not really interested in doing that anymore. Oh, okay. So my wife and I, I took a day off work. This is me trying to make something happen, in case you didn't figure that out. In case you just think, oh, he's so spiritual. He just always follows us. No, I'm human just like you. I'm trying to make something happen. I took a day off work. We got in a car. We drove to buildings. We went and walked. We found a place. I thought, this, is a, this will be the place. This will be. They gave us a price. I thought, maybe that price will work. Well, when they gave us the actual price, it was not closed, and that would not work. They were like $26,000 a month. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's retail space. We're not retail. I'm going to back and I'm getting frustrated now. You ever get frustrated when things aren't changing? Start losing your peace. Stand with me. I want to give you hope. I'm almost done. You start losing your peace. I'm praying the Lord is giving, building your faith and connecting this to your circumstances and situation. You start losing your peace. Well, this is where I am. And not only am I losing peace, I'm getting upset with God. Because I knew God had dealt with me that it was time to transition. But I'm not finding anything. And I... And... I don't know, maybe you don't get mad at God. I didn't stay mad. He said, be angry and sin not. So I, I, I'm praying on a Saturday morning, February. Two months after we looked, nothing's happened since December. I'm praying on a Saturday morning in February. I'm up at God, you got to show me. I'm, I'm done looking. You ever just tell God what for? I was trying to express my heart, not be disrespectful or irreverent. You understand? It's like, God, I, I'm done. I, I'm not looking anymore. I'm done looking until you tell me, show me. I'm done. Maybe I should have started there. huh? I'm done. But sometimes he lets us go through stuff to teach us stuff. I'm done. You got to show me. You got to. And as I'm laying there on the floor praying in my mind's eye, I saw this building again. I didn't have some glorious vision. No angels sounded from heaven. I just saw this building again. And this is what I said. Lord, we tried that. And the Lord was silent. And usually when the Lord's silent, here's what he's saying to me. I'm done talking. Until you act on what I've already said. I just felt that in the Holy Ghost for somebody. I'm done talking until you act on what I've already told you. In Jesus name. And so. I said. Fine, Lord. I'm going to act. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to act. <laughs> I went to my wife, got up from prayer, and I told her, I said, tomorrow morning, I'm driving to that building in Sita, and I'm going to park in the parking lot until somebody shows up. I think she said something like, what are you going to do if nobody shows up? <laughs> Thanks for the support, babe. I think I said, I guess I'll be there praying a while. 
I drove here on a Sunday morning. I backed up on the back side of that parking lot and just sat there in my vehicle. I was getting ready to head out of the house. I was wearing my jeans and sweatshirt because we had church on Friday night, not Sunday. And I was getting ready to walk out of the house, and I'm like, if somebody shows up, do you really want to be there in your jeans and sweatshirt? So I thought, well, I better look halfway decent. So I changed real quick, put on slacks and a button-up shirt. And I'm sitting there praying, and nobody shows up. Ten minutes. You know, I thought maybe something quick. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. You know, 40 minutes seems like an eternity, doesn't it, when nothing's happening? About 45 minutes, a little white Subaru pulls into the parking lot. Two little ladies in it, probably about 80-something years old. No exaggeration. I start my truck. I pull up beside them because they were beside the sidewalk. I pull up beside them. Roll down the window. You know, she looks over. I thought, good thing I dressed up not wearing a hoodie. She might be a little concerned. <laughs> you know, she said, can I help you? I said, yes, ma'am. I understand that maybe I was interested in the possibility of maybe renting this building. I understood you guys might have been. She said, oh, yes. Yes, we, we, we are looking for somebody to rent it. Would, would you like to see inside? I was like, are you serious? I was like, I talked to somebody back in December, and, I, and they, she goes, oh, really? I said, yeah. She said, we think maybe they weren't trying to help us. I'm like, I don't think they were either. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that, but this is what's going on inside me. And so she's like, you want to go inside? I'm like, yeah. And so this, this little old lady, she brings, this is a true story. This is church history. Not leaning on my understanding, letting him direct my paths. And so she brings me in this building and she takes me downstairs. And I remember thinking, dear Lord, please don't fall down these stairs. I did, isn't that terrible? That's what I thought. The other lady said, I'll wait up here. I'm like, thank you. So we, we go downstairs and, and she's showing me and she's telling me everything. And I'm thinking, man, it's got a kitchen. It's got a fellowship. It's got classrooms. And then so she's talking and she's all excited and, and she brings me upstairs and she goes, oh, the pastor's here now. And she gets him and they pull me off to the side because there's a couple of other people in here and they don't want it to be public knowledge, right? And he's like, oh, yeah. And she tells him about what I went through and he's like, I can't believe this. He goes, so you're interested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy. He says, God is my witness. This is what the, the pastor says to me. He's a 70, 72-year-old man. They had about 10 to 12 people meeting here. All except two were over 65. The other two were his daughter and son-in-law. He said, we're having a meeting today. We're not having our regular service. We're having a business meeting with the church today. And we're voting on whether we should join with a congregation in Yakima. He said... I don't want to tell them that you're interested in renting the building because I want them to make their decision based on what we've asked them to pray about, not based on new news. He says, but if they want to stay, could it work for you to rent the building and us to be here? We're only here on Sundays. I said, we have church on Friday night. It won't bother me at all if you're here on Sunday because we hadn't changed yet. Okay. He calls me back. I said, he calls me back in less than a week. We had our meeting. 
we've agreed to join that other congregation. Our last service will be the end of March. Our first service was April the 1st. We started renting this building. Two and a half years went by. They decided it was time to sell the building. They came to us first. We probably bought this building for, I don't know, maybe 70% of the value they could have sold it for. God gave us favor. Your faithfulness in finance. We bought this building almost three years ago. In August, we paid this property off. This is God's hand. Now, we need to understand he had a plan. Now, are you ready for the future part before you leave? Here's the future. Bishop and I had talked, and some of you have heard this. We've talked about the possibility of building out here. It's getting a little tight in here, in case you didn't notice. We've got a lot of people out today, and it's still a little tight. A couple weeks ago, we didn't have room for everybody to sit. We started looking at some things, and we felt the check in the Holy Ghost. And felt like the Lord said, oh, you're going to make something happen? Nope. I'm not making anything happen, Lord. See, once you've done that a few times, you learn. What am I going to do? I'm going to trust you. Now, I'm telling you something today in faith. God has a specific plan regarding building and property. He knows what we, we've never been about buildings. I think you know this. That's why we're house to house. That's why we believe it. But God has a specific plan, a specific plan. Now, I don't have the liberty right now because I don't feel that liberty to tell you some things that I feel like the Lord has spoke to me and showed me. But when I made mention of one thing to Bishop, he's like, are you serious? I said, I'm dead serious. He said, this morning when I passed this place, I thought, what if? And it was the same place I'd, God had been dealing with me about for about seven months. Now, I don't know what God's doing. That's not my business. It's his. But I went through all of that history just on something as simple as a building for us to meet in. To say God is in control of everything and you can trust him. In your circumstance. Before you go today, I know we've gone long. Would you talk to the Lord right there where you are? And would you cast your care on him? Come on, would you cast your care on him? We are people of faith. Our faith is in him. We are people of trust. Our trust is in him. Does that mean everything will be better when I walk out of here? It means I'll have peace when I walk out here if I choose to let him be the king of peace. Come on, some of you have been receiving peace throughout this service. The Lord's been giving you answers. He's been giving you understanding. Oh, not your own understanding, but understanding that he's in control if I let him be. In the name of Jesus, I pray the peace of God. I pray the assurance of God, faith that comes from the Lord. 
Come on, he knows where you are. He knows your family situation. He knows your work situation. He knows your financial situation. He knows every element of your life. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. You and I can trust him. We can trust him. Don't let the world and its circumstances rob you and I of his peace. Lean on him. Call out to him. Cast it on him. But let the peace of God rule in your hearts and minds. Let it guard our hearts and our minds today. In the name of Jesus. 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 Let the peace of God rule. Let it go past my understanding. Let it go past your understanding. And let Him work. Your will, your time, your plan, your purpose, God. See, I could have been angry at that property management company that was stonewalling me. That's the word I'd use. It was God. It was God's timing. I had the mind in the direction of God. I just didn't have the timing of God yet. And so he's like, okay, i got to stonewall you. Because I have a plan, and you're trying to get ahead of it. Abraham. I'll go, marry, I'll go have a kid with Hagar since the promise of God isn't being produced just yet. No, God's got a plan. Wait on his plan. And if you're waiting and he's giving you direction, I'm telling somebody this morning. Do what he's told you to do. Do what he's told you to do. And he'll do the next part. I know where I'm at in the Holy Ghost. There are several people that when I say that, you know exactly what God's saying to you. And I don't, but he does. Do what he's told you to do. And then the next part will come. What is that? He's trying to direct your path. But he can't direct it if you're not taking the step he told you to take. And you're wanting him to give you the next 23 steps. And he said, nope, I'll give you one. That's me directing your path. Take the step. In Jesus' name. You receive that today? I know you do. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for your diligence this morning. I, I'm not going to apologize for the length. I, I try not to do that. Amen. I'm not going to apologize for obeying the Holy Ghost. But I do respect your time. And I value your time. God bless you. Greet someone. Go with God. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.